You're listening to the Beacons of Bravery podcast, episode number two. You're in for a treat today. You'll meet my good friend, James Bradford. He's one of the most genuinely good people that I know. He's impacting the lives of a lot of young men, high school age, middle school age, and you will love to hear his story. Tune in and enjoy. Welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Norman, former perfectionist, people pleaser, and rule follower who woke up one day and realized I'd been living somebody else's dream because of my fear of stepping outside the lines. That's why I started this podcast, to interview authors, entrepreneurs, and everyday people who learn to overcome their fears and obstacles in order to live the life of their dreams shine the light on how we can live the life of our dreams. James Bradford Jr., my friend, thank you for joining the show. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to have you with me. You are my first interview guest on the Beacons of Bravery podcast. How does that feel? Man, that, that that's such an honor. I mean, I, that feels amazing. I, I I thought I was gonna be like the third or fourth one. I've been <laughs> nervously excited about this, and I'm just glad you uh, allowed me to have this chance to come on. Thanks. Well, you know, you're always number one in my book. James and I go way back. I would guess maybe ten years, James. Yep. Yeah, at least ten. Yep. Yeah. So we met each other and knew each other. We were both working in the therapy department of a nursing home. Mm -hmm. He was the director of rehab and a technician, and I was a physical therapist there. So we spent many hours a day (laughs) talking. Um, He was my unofficial counselor (laughs) and a really good one. You have the best listening ear, I would say. Remember those days? I definitely remember those days, and I miss those days too. So... Um, those were some good times. Yeah, me too. Well, we're going to get to know a little bit more about you, James, because you're an amazing person. That's why I wanted to have you on the show. But I kind of wanted to start with a little fun question, or I hope it's fun. And that is, um, let's go back to high school, James. Um, You know how people, you get rated like most likely to succeed or most likely to do whatever, be rich and famous. Were you voted most likely to be anything in your class? Well, actually, um, I went to a pretty big high school. Um, High school is where I graduated from. Um, I graduated with at least about 400 other students. And, um, you know, I did a lot of activities in high school, a lot of clubs, and um, and I was a three-sport athlete. Um, So I I had a lot of competition for those most likely to succeed <laughs> and a lot of those things like that. And so, um, no, I wasn't actually um, nominated for one of those at my school during that time. Oh, well, knowing yourself back then as a senior in high school, if you could have given yourself one of those awards, what do you think would have been fitting for you at that time? You were most likely to do what with your life? Mm-hmm. I think I I would have been in the running for most likely to succeed. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of um, friends and things who pushed me, a lot of teachers. Actually, I had a teacher 
um, who actually called me an oxymoron before. <laughs> and I had to go um, research that because I went home and told my mom that my teacher called me a moron. <laughs> <laughs> and then no she said no I called you an oxymoron because she's like you were like a superstar athlete but you also are one of my highest at the time I had like 106% of her class and so mm. she was most of my athletes aren't very smart well just because they're not very smart like this and stuff so uh, I think I would have been in the running for something like that most likely to succeed I think you would have too because you are Okay, so we're going to fast forward in time now to the James Bradford today, and then we're going to go way back, okay? okay. So if you don't mind um, telling the audience kind of who you are and what you are doing now, and that can be career and your family life, all that kind of stuff, and then we'll go back to James when it started. Okay. Um, well, James Bradford Jr. now... Um, um, I'm an educator first. That is my um, that's my career, and um, I actually love it. Um, like you said, even when we met, you know, um, I thought that I would be going into the therapy realm and and moving up into that. Um, but no, I, I'm in education now. I've been doing this um, 11 years on the coaching side, and then certified um, in the teaching classroom side eight years. Uh, I currently hold two positions within my education my educator role. Um, I teach PE for six to eight grade boys. Um, and with that, I am the head track coach and head basketball coach wow. of the school team. And I am the defensive line coach for the varsity and junior varsity Yellow Jackets of Bird High School, who just made it to the state championship where Woo! we are for Division One. Um, and I'm married now. I wasn't married back then. I'm married now. Uh, to my wife of uh, eight years, and I have a little girl, Jamia, who's five years old. Awesome. Um, oh, and like I said, you know, also I am um, just recently um, did my first sermon, so I am actually getting more into, well, I'm in the ministry. I'm a minister as well, so I'm a coach. I'm a minister. A um, lot of things right now that God, I mean, I guess I, I planted seeds a long time ago that I didn't realize, and now they're just, they're growing now. So thanks for having me yeah, I saw that on Facebook that you'd done your first sermon. What was it about? Uh, the first sermon I did was about God's protection plan. Um, okay. Basically, it came from Psalm 37. Um, God basically told me to tell everyone that based on everything that's going on right now, that he has a protection plan for us, but you got to buckle into it. You know, and it, you know, whatever you believe in, you know, think about buckling into something like a seatbelt. Well, you normally buckle into something because it's supposed to keep you safe or better yet, it's supposed to save your life. So why not buckle into something that's higher than you that you believe in and that's going to help keep you secure as you walk through this life? Nice. So. Well, you've had that in you for a long time. You, like I said, counseled and worked with me a lot over the years. <laughs> um, but let's go back to what? I said, we helped each other. Yeah. Sometimes. Let's go back to little James. Were you ever little? Because he's like six foot four and or, <laughs> is it six four. Yeah, I'm six three. Yep, six okay. three. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, and that was a name that um, because I am a junior that they did used to call me little James. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So. So tell us a little bit about where you grew up kind of as much as you want to say about, you know, like your family, your upbringing, 
Okay. People may not know we're both in Louisiana right now and um, live right outside of Shreveport, but take us back. How'd you get where you are? Wow. Um, okay. So basically I was born here in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, I was born in a, um, a part of Shreveport called Allendale, Louisiana. Uh, I mean, Allendale, um, it's a neighborhood in Shreveport, Louisiana. And when I was two years old, uh, my parents got divorced and I moved to another neighborhood on the west side of town. Um, just grew up with my mom for a while until our house got flooded. Once we moved from uh, Moortown, I moved over into the, um, just we'll call it the Broadmoor area, which kind of helped change a lot of things for me in life. Um, like I said, still, you know, living into a single parent home. My mom never got remarried. Um, you know, my environment at times, you know, from where I was come from, uh, played a toll on my um, my actions and my attitude on things. But then I, my little sister was born. We're 10 years apart. Um, and then that kind of helped put some things in perspective. Um, people start telling me I need to be a role model and all these things because somebody's going to look up to you and, um that, that that meant a lot. So I did start to try to shape some things because I I wanted to be the person that I wanted my sister to marry when she gets older. And so, um, like I said, you know, from there, um, growing up, and like I said, I got a chance to go to Broadmoor Middle School and then be a graduate of, um, you know, Burr High School. Uh, I, I learned a lot because, like I said, uh, Burr High School looks nothing like the neighborhood that I grew up in. So this is definitely, like I said, being a minister now, this is a plan that I couldn't have put together. That's why I finally know now that, you know, this ministry is something that God had already ordained. He had already put it in place and it just took me to, um, to just walk in it, you know, you know? And so that's why I, I really thank him for now the diversity that I have to go, you know, certain places and, and be able to adapt. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this growing up in the neighborhood that you grew up in, which is mm -hmm. the, the first one you mentioned is kind of rough. What, what do you think made a difference between you and the decisions you made? And I'm sure some of your friends made some different ones. What do you think? I'm glad you said uh, the, the biggest difference is, honestly, like I said, my mom, like I said, I grew up in Allendale and Moortown, but my mom is from a town called Fryerson, Louisiana. Um, and, and so small she was big town. on, huh? Small country town. Yeah, small country town. I mean, my mom, like she used to ring chicken eggs and like pick cotton. <laughs> You know, she, she had to work hard for everything she had. And so a lot of times I would always have to go down there. Actually, our home church is still down there. So I spend a lot of time down there. And um, like my granddad now, he's like 87. He can still outwork me. You know, he has a high potential area, but he'd rather go chop wood because he still thinks he got to fill it in the furnace. So <laughs> I think that's what helped me is that not always having to be around the environment that, you know, wasn't the most positive for me and my mom. Um, keeping me in church and like I said, seeing how yes sir, no ma'am and morals and ethics were very important. And the biggest thing she did was with me not having a direct male in the home, she kept me in sports. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I coach so hard now. I think that's why I do so much now because my coaches were a huge influence in allowing me to, when I go home, I didn't have time to be out there doing the wrong thing because I was tired. I went yeah. to school, they would pick me up, take me to practice. By the time I got home from practice, it's time to eat, do work, and go, and you know, start all over again. So, I think those things all came together and helped me not get consumed with what was going on, you know, in yeah. my neighborhood. So now you're a coach yourself. Um, 
couple questions with that. What, what do you feel is your biggest thing to instill in your players? And then what do you see in this generation that may or may not be different from when you came up? Um, <laughs> some of the biggest things that I try to instill in anyone who comes um, under me and, and I get a chance to coach them is just uh, self-respect. Uh, I'm big on them respecting themselves. And once I can get them to have self-respect and self-confidence in themselves, then I can uh, I can teach them because I, I want them to become productive citizens and hopefully go on and the things that they learn, they can reach back and bring somebody else along later. Mm-hmm. Um, your second question. Um, different generation. How are they different? Oh, yeah. Woo, this generation here. <laughs> This is in a generation of Twitter fingers and social media and, and, and dancing all the time. And, and if it didn't happen on social media, then I got to go make it happen. So dealing with this generation here, they, they feel real entitled. You know, see, when, when I was growing up, um, I, I wanted to be wherever I could be and show that I earned it and I, and I needed that. But now if you don't give it to this generation, they just, okay, fine. You know, well, I'm supposed to get that anyway. And if I don't, there's really not a lot of hardworking individuals, you know, coming up now. You know, it's like either they have it or they just totally don't have it. And so you got to really have, you know, establish that foundation to where that used to be done, you know, in the house. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I'm glad you're there helping coach them along in life. Um, So this podcast is called beacons of bravery and basically i bring on people who i can learn from and i've learned from you a lot um on how to overcome fears and obstacles that come all of our way because obviously you know you've made it to a point in your life that you know you're doing well and you're doing what you want to do can you think back in time to a point or a big obstacle or fear that you had to overcome to get where you are? Is there anything that stands out? I mean, honestly, just, just, honestly, just making it through high school and, and being able to, um, you know, complete college. I mean, I had, I had a big fear of what it would take. Um, my mom was, you know, um, I wasn't the first generation college person. So that, that helped a little bit, but just, Growing up how I grew up, you know, I, I had a lot of obstacles because, like I said, changing neighborhoods and, and then trying to find a balance, trying to find a balance of, okay, well, this is what they expect me to be. And, you know, well, this is what this side wants me to be. And, you know, well, why don't I have this? Because I'm working hard for it. So why why don't I get there? Because, hey, I'm smarter than them, but, you know, I'm better than them. So it was it was a big fear in me that, you know, I used to say that I was very unpredictable. Somebody said, what, what are you? I said, well, unpredictable because, you know, you don't know what I'm going to do, and I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, people will say, hey, well, you you look like this, or you play like this, or and I just, I couldn't quite figure out exactly where I fit in. I was like a jack of all trades, mm-hmm. but of none, and I thought that was great until I, you know, got older and was like, this, I, I got to focus on something, you know, got to focus on something. Yeah. I just had a big fear of just uncertainty, you know. Yeah. Um, and what do you think helped you most get through those times or get past that fear? Um, the role models. And I guess that's why I, I um, 
you know, I am the way I am. I, I had some some role models. My uncle being one, he played semi-pro ball. Um, he would come get me. He would he would teach me things. He would help me buy a weight set when I was a junior. He was he would give me little steps and say, hey, this is what you have to do because you're not afforded some of the other opportunities other people have. So you're going to have to work harder than them, mm-hmm. you know. Can't use an excuse of, you know, well, you know, such and such got this or such and such got that. You got to go after it. And so I just took that mentality. Um, and then, you know, being able to just, you know, finish, you know, like I said, a school of 400, I think I graduated in the top 120 of them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I was, I was summa cum laude into my senior year. I got a little senioritis, you know, <laughs> kind of just was like, man, I'm just sick of this. I'm ready to go and that was happening next. And so, um, but yeah, just just having the role models I had, you know, who would always kind of push me. And, you know, my uncle told me way before I even went to school, you need to be a teacher. Well, back then, teachers were making 30000 a year and they got paid once a month. Yeah, That was the life that I saw I wanted, you know. I didn't see the, the, the rewarding side of seeing kids, you know, accomplish something that they didn't never know they could do. I didn't see that side of it. It was all about, hey, I need to make 50000 coming out. And, you know, you know, the, you know, the financial side is big, you know, back then. Yeah. I hear you. Well, and you know, now you're that role model to so many people. Uh, let's go to the future a little bit. Now we've been present and past. Let's go to the future. What, what dreams do you still have for your life? What, what's out there that you want to pursue next? And are there any things that are limiting you or fears or, you know, thoughts that are standing in your way? Man, I always try to keep a couple goals, you know that. <laughs> One goal I have is that when me and you talked, um, the more I, I am growing in my career, I need a business. Carrie, can you find me another business? <laughs> oh, I, need I can. So I can, uh, so I can uh, write off some of these stuff. But uh, but no, I definitely want to. Uh, I've been trying to, like, with this COVID thing going on, I've been trying to dabble into the stock market now and kind of, you know, learn more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, i definitely looking forward to uh, getting my wife a new home. I mean, we've, we've been, you know, been here and at home we in about at least 10 years um but definitely like i said my goal is to try to get her something um a little bit bigger you know and hopefully maybe expand the family um oh really um okay yeah, I mean, you know I'm, i i gotta do it if i get too old I mean, yeah. I just, uh, you know. how old are you james now <sighs> so i was born before 80 you know around that time now i'm, now I'm 30 i'm 37 oh well, just a young still a young um, I'm old. I have been coaching 11 years. Actually, I started coaching when I was 15. I started with T-ball with my little sister, so yeah, I'm, I'm feeling old. But no, but on the professional side, I, I, I'm looking forward to actually, you know, moving up into coaching. That hadn't been a great desire of mine. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. You know, I always feel like I went to go when when I got uh, promoted from assistant director to rehab director. I said that had to be for some. You know, why God? Why did you? why did you have me have to learn how to, you know, um, help put together a rehab center and, and have people under me and, you know, have to have a balance between, you know, what's going on in their lives. Like what was that area of my life for? You know, God puts you through certain things and gives you certain tools, you know, and you got to look back and say, Hey, that, that has to be for something. Right. Yes. So you know, I, I do, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, Hey, are you going to apply for the head coaching job? And I'd be like, nah, you know, I'm kind of like you. I'm like, like, like me, I don't think I could be a head coach. You know, I'm just kind of good where I'm at, but, I think in the future, I am going to, you know, pray more and look and see, you know, what's out there on the professional side of me moving up into the coaching realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, like I said, with me, you know, just starting up my ministry, 
um, you know, officially starting the ministry under uh, a pastor and stuff, looking right. at seeing, you know, what routes, you know, I will be going with that. That's, those are two big things that I'm looking forward to. Any fears in your mind? Or you, yeah, you're I mean, not a really fear-filled person? I mean, the, the fear comes from me just not being able to be successful. You know, like I said, my biggest, you know, my biggest weakness is, is the fact that I just, I don't want to be, I don't want, I don't want to fail. So I'm always moving. I'm always trying to do something so that I don't feel like, okay, I'm getting left behind. Okay. I'm not where I need to be. So my biggest fear is just that I'm, I'm, I'm the hardest critic on myself. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I don't do something right, I'm like, man, I'm not doing enough or um, I need to get to a point like, why isn't this working out? And so, yeah, my fears are just, you know, being stagnant. You know, my fears are just not um, always being a, a person who can educate and, and grow. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to continue to grow no matter what age you are. So, sure. fear is just... I, mean, I think the fear of being stagnant is a good fear. Because okay. I think that you we're either growing or going backwards, don't you? Like, if you're staying the same, you're probably automatically going backwards, right? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> See, I, I play as a fraternity, and so anytime we hear going backwards, that was a big thing against us. Now, being stagnant to me, you ain't going or going backwards, but yeah, you're right. I mean, like I said, if you're not growing, I mean, it's like a, it's like a, kind, a, a kid, and they're five foot two, and they want to, you know, get on that wall, and they want to see that, okay, I'm five foot three now. Okay, I'm five foot six now. So, yeah, you know, if, you, if you're stagnant, I mean, some people are fine with it because, I mean, that just means that, you know, they're content, you mm-hmm. know, but I just, I, I don't want, I'm not content at all. I see a lot of things out there that I definitely still want to pursue. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got to get over that fear of not thinking that I'm good enough to be, you know, or, you know what, that's my biggest fear. My biggest fear is that I'll get into a position like, like we have director. I didn't, you know, I, you know, I turned down that job when they first asked me. Yeah. I'm, I don't know, uh, Tara, if you, if you, if you, you and Stephanie watching this, or y'all going to listen to this later. I actually turned down that job because I was thinking, man, they're not, they're not going to listen to me. I'm like, what? I mean, me, you want me to run this. Like, are you sure? They was like, oh, you got all the tools. And I was like, okay, as long as y'all can support me, you know? So I got to get out of that fear of not thinking that I'm good enough on my own and needing somebody to push me up to do it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, and you did a good job as a rehab director dealing with all us bratty therapists who had just drama. So... <laughs> There was a reason you were there. <laughs> For sure. So you mentioned I was going to let you give your fraternity a shout out because I know that's an important thing in your life. What's the name of the fraternity you were in or are in? I'm a member of Alpha, Phi Alpha, Fraternity Incorporated. Um, we were founded December 4th, 1906 on the Ivy League campus of Cornell University. Um, we're big on manly deeds, scholarships, and love for all mankind. Um, we're big on community service. And so like when we be in education, um, it, it, it's truly been a great thing because we talk about, you know, rights to help for all. You know, we, we definitely big on mentoring young men. You know, we want to build them up. We want to make them um, great young men and going to men and then once again, it's all about looking back and pulling somebody back up with you. You know, and honestly, you know, say you say, what helped me get over my fears? Me joining that fraternity, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when, when I joined that fraternity in school, um, it helped open up doors for me. It helped show me different things that I, that I never probably would have seen. You know, I think being a part of that allowed me to help. Um, you asked about high school a while ago. I wasn't most likely to succeed, but at a college university with over 
12,000 people, I was honored to make the homecoming court. Uh, and that was big for my life. And that, that was another thing that showed that, I mean, I just love people. I'm a people person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't do, I'm not very flashy. You know, I don't dress a certain way or I feel like I got to do a certain thing, but just knowing that the people saw enough in me to vote me because you got to be voted in by your peers and by your, you know, students, that meant a lot, you know? And so um, those two things help give yeah. me the foundation. So, I mean, I think that's like with a lot of things in life, you had community and it was a community that was bringing you up instead of a community that can pull you down. Do you agree? Your fraternity? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah and like I said, I mean, with our fraternity, it's a, it's, it's a national fraternity. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we have a lot of different things that we do on a local level. Um, we have conferences that we do on the state level. Um, then we have a regional level and then we actually have a national level. So, I mean, it's like, you know, getting a chance to meet different guys from different areas of the nation and, and learning from them um, is definitely big. Um, it, it means a lot. And um, the work always continues. It, it always continues. So anybody, hey, Alpha Alpha, the black and gold, if you get on the college campus, hey, look us up. Look us up. We're always looking for a few good men. Hey, and I saw the moves that you have with um, – what is it you do, the the dance? Oh, I train? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got That's some moves, James. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my, my, knees, my knees aren't as good as what they used to be. But, you know, we, we're we known to step and cut a rug. And, yeah. you know, that's the fun side of it, like I said. Because, like, I mean, uh, I talk more about the business side of it. But, like I said, you know, that's the balance that you get. Um, once you, you know, get into a fraternity, like I said, it helps the people who are introverts, you know, maybe, um, you know, get to, get to know some people who are more like themselves, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's something for everyone in, 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 in growing up and going to college and, um, joining fraternities, whichever one it may be though, but yeah, which one the best one is. Awesome. Okay. We're going to come into the kind of home stretch where I'm going to ask you some of your favorites and, um, you may or may not have an answer to some of these, but just um, some things that have helped you in your life and maybe they could be audience recommendations too that they could go check out. Mm-hmm. So the first one is, do you have a book? I'm going to say other than the Bible, because I know the Bible is the biggest book in your life. Yep. But is yep. there any other book in your life that has really affected you or had a positive influence on you that you could recommend to others? Um. I read a few different books. I'm not a big reader. I'd rather watch it on the TV screen. <laughs> but uh, I'm actually reading a book right now. It's like a part of a devotional. It's called um, The Heart of a Coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and it's, it's available uh, for, for a very reasonable price. And it just gives daily devotionals about um, life and, and direction and, 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 being the, and being the coach that you would want somebody to, um, to be inspired by, you know, the coach that you would want to have. And it just kind of helps keep you grounded as far as, you know, when you want to get upset about something that happened or um, the direction that you want to take, you know. And so right now, Heart of a Coach is something that I would definitely recommend anyone who lives a life similar to mine um, to go get that. You know, look it up on Amazon or um, CritusBooks.com. The Heart of a Coach. That sounds good. Is there a quote uh, that you reference a lot or – just a quote that you like, and if so, do you know who said it? Uh, um, 
the biggest quote that I've always gone by, and it's on my um, teaching portfolio and in my bulletin board for my kids, is that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know who said it, <laughs> but I'm glad they did, because that is truly how it helped me not want to be a follower. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you really look into what that says, you know, you got to believe in what you believe in. And once you know who you are and where you're going, it's less likely that you will fall for anything else that somebody's trying to get you to do that that's going to get you off track. Right. That's a great one. I don't know who said it either, but um, it, it, it is one of the best. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask you if there's a podcast you enjoy, but I know you're new to podcasting. So mm-hmm. um, Definitely. this will be the one that you enjoy because you're on it. <laughs> Yes, Beacons of Bravery. I can't wait to promote it and let everybody know what Carrie is doing. Carrie, I am so proud of you. And I'm just I'm just under that. Like I said, I thought I was gonna be like the third or fourth person and to be the first one. I mean, I thank you for uh, for choosing me. I had to go with you first. Hey, you know, my fraternity was the first one. See all this is playing out. See how it rolls. My fraternity was the first one um on, on, on our side, on the MPAC side to be founded. So that's awesome. Couldn't go wrong with Alpha. Uh, is there a movie, a favorite movie you have that you find yourself watching over and over or just one that you like? Uh, I, I got two movies that I truly, truly like. Um, the first is called The Wood. Um, it's about a group of young men who who, um, who grew up and um, like I said, they didn't live in the best neighborhood. So they had a lot of obstacles. And then one of the guys, I guess I like it so much because it kind of makes me feel like myself. Um, he was a real cool little guy, but kind of nerdy at the same time so he had to figure out you know um you know what, what what was his thing you know what was his thing to get the girls or what was his thing to stay you know cool with the with the, with the guys and so i love the wood and um i got a lot of family members who in the military so i love a movie called black hawk down i mean they put that on any time and just the perseverance that it took you know to go in and even want to go over there and help you know serve your country and uh, if anybody ever saw that movie, just knowing being pinned down all that time, you know, hey, a lot of people want to give up. So I think that movie represents my life when I look at the fact that, hey, are you going to keep fighting when the odds are against you? You know, mm-hmm. and so that's why, you know, being a defensive line coach, you know, my biggest thing with my guys is, is our attitude right? Are we aggressive on the field or are we respectful off the field? Perseverance. We are in Louisiana. It's going to get hot out there. You're going to want to quit with these shoulder pads on and it's 108 degrees outside. Are you going to quit? When you get knocked down, are you going to quit? And then the E is all about excellence. You know, are you going to give quality work every time you step out there in the classroom and on the field? Are you going to give your best? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, it does get hot here. <laughs> Especially during football season. <laughs> well, James, um, I'm sure after people listen to your interview that some of them will want to connect with you or follow you somehow, or even see the sermons that you're preaching. Is there a, do you have a social media handle that you'd like people to contact you on or what's the best way that people could get in touch with you if they want to? Uh, well, you know, one of my social media um, platforms is, um, you know, James Bradford Jr. And, um, you know, on Facebook. Um, I also have a, I have a Twitter handle. My Twitter handle is mostly, I created that truly to help get my young men that I coach an opportunity to, um, to to connect with college coaches and recruiters and stuff. I'm really big on making sure, like I said, I give my all to my kids. So I am on Twitter at, at Coach Bradford. No, it's at Coach JB06. 
That's at Coach JB06. Um, I don't really get into the Instagram and all the rest of that, but I do have a Twitter and a Facebook. And so okay. if anybody want to catch me, they can definitely catch me on one of those two. And um, hey, if they got something for me, I can answer it. If they want something they want to tell me about the stock market or invest in <laughs> or something like that, tell them to hit me up. He's looking for a business opportunity, people. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Well, it's been so good talking with you again, James. It's been a long time. We're Facebook friends, but it's been a long time yeah. since in person. But yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I rolled up on you at, um, in Baton Rouge one time. I think I was yeah. doing something. I think your daughter's and then was down there for a softball or something. Uh huh. Husband said, "Come on around here and bring <laughs> up on you." So it always is great to see you and talk to you. I'm really, really proud of all this and looking forward to what Beacons of Bravery is going to do to help you know get people to see that they can they, they can overcome their fears. Well, thank you. Kind of on that note, um, is there anything I haven't asked you that you think it would be good to talk about? Or do you have any last words of wisdom, advice, encouragement for the audience? Um, um, I, like I said, it's my first podcast, so I don't know what you didn't ask me. But I mean, the thing I would just want to end with is that anybody out here who's listening to this podcast, um, get, you, get to a point to where you can always have a goal. And like I said, you know, I know that sounds cliche, hey, but hey, have a short-term goal, have a long-term goal, and find resources that's going to help you get to that goal. Um, my biggest thing now that I'm doing now, and like, like, you know, God has showed me, is that plant seeds. You got to sow seeds. And like I said, in due time, you will reap. Like I said, this, this year has been amazing. For me to be able to be a track coach and win the district championship, um, be the defensive line coach of a team that won the district championship and then, you know, state runner-up, I feel like um, – a lot of things have been happening in life and I feel like people are telling me certain things and I, I might have planted that seed a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, just plant those seeds, water those seeds and like I said, you know, it's going to reap and it's going to do what it's meant to do and like I said, you're, you're going to get your blessings from that. So just make sure if it's in your spirit and whatever you believe in, if you're supposed to do something, try it. You never know what is going to happen if you don't try. Exactly. I think that was a perfect way to end the podcast. So audience, I know you love James as much as I do. Reach out to him. He'll, uh, he'll answer any questions you have and be a great inspiration to you as well. Thank you for listening to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you would go and rate and review the show and also share it with somebody who you think would benefit from listening to the message. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram, or you can email me at beaconsofbravery at gmail.com. I hope something that you heard today will help you go out and live a more joy-filled, inspired life. Don't keep playing it safe. Be brave today. And of course, a huge shout out to Steve Denny for providing the music for this podcast.